Hello, this is Ronnie. Hey, and this is Lindsay. And you're listening to Five Cats, Two Pussies. We have a pretty great show for you today. Uh, Lindsay, before we get started, why don't you light up that ritual candle? Yes. Uh, we're going to talk to you a little bit today about some some really close and personal topics. Uh, I'm pretty excited about this. I think we've been we've been mulling this over for a little bit, and we're going to talk about some familial uh, some familial magic, hereditary magic, passing things down from one person to another, and uh, and I'm not sure you know where that is going at the moment because I've lost my total train of thought. <laughs> Well, that's okay. Um, we we both had some conversations with our mothers. I had a, a conversation with one of my sisters um, just to get some feedback and see, um, re-listen to some stories that I had heard before um, and apparently had heard many of them incorrectly. Um, <laughs> Uh, so, so that was rather enlightening. How about for you? Did you learn anything new or? Yeah, I do. I have a, I have a plethora of stories. A lot of them were brand new to me. Um, and you know, I'm really excited to share them and talk about them and talk about their sort of relation to us. Uh, it's going to be a fair, a fairly vulnerable episode. So before we dive into all of that, I think I'd also like to share a little, a little vulnerability and, you know, forgive me here if I get sad. I've, I've, relived this particular moment of couch crying uh, recently and I choked up again. So I think we can all attest sometimes it's okay to cry. Yeah, everybody gets sad. But uh, I was was sitting on the couch last night reading a little webcomic and the webcomic was about a deceased cat and death had come to visit this cat's ghost. And what really got me was that it was a black cat and the little black cat was really, really sad because death was all, um, you know, did, did you get too close to the road again? Kind of thing. And the little black cat was like, no, somebody hit me on purpose because I'm black and people are superstitious. And that's, that's a fact. Black cats are the least adopted color of cat, mainly due to superstition and because they don't photograph well and uh, they are the least adopted cats in shelters. Now, I have currently two black cats and had another cat named Daphne. She was my first solo my cat kind of thing. Aww. Although she truly hated me and loved Engineer Dan. <laughs> As she was a butt. Actually, she was she was a true pussy. She peed on everything Aww. and and she was temperamental and she she would bite and she would scratch unless she was like, yeah, you're my person. And then she would stand all 20 pounds of her on her little tippy toes and just wiggle them right in between your ribs so that you couldn't breathe. Oh, my God. She was 20 pounds. She was 20 pounds. Jeez. But this little webcomic made me sit here on the couch and think of think of Daphne because the, the way the comic wraps up, and I'm sorry if I'm totally spoiling this. I should, probably should have started with comic spoiler alert. But... The way this little comic wraps up is that the cat wants to visit its human one more time. And it goes to the house where somebody, uh, an older woman had been leaving food out. And the older woman was like, oh, I wonder where whatever the kitty's name is. Like, I wonder where kitty is today. She didn't eat anything. And, and the little kitty was, a little kitty ghost turned to death and said, I wish I could have seen her one more time. Oh. And, and, and it makes me all sad. I'm getting all sad now. Um. But it made me it made me think of a whole bunch of things. So it's very introspective. Like I had just had the conversation earlier in the evening with my mom about all these things, and then 
I read this silly little web comic that made me like really choked up. And it made me think about not only Daphne and my mom and the fact that my mom feeds every stray cat that has ever wandered in her yard. That's how she's, she's had nine or 11 cats somewhere in the, she's had around 10 cats in her lifetime and over half of them were strays. Oh, wow. All of them were adopted. And then it also made me think of Django. Django, the little rascal. So it made me think of the fact that, like, I got Django as a little black kitten who was abandoned and lived under a porch for like three months. And uh, I want—I got him after Daphne passed away, and wanted not a replacement, but I needed another buddy for Kenway. And it made me think about how Daphne was such an antisocial bitch a lot of the times, <laughs> and. And Django is antisocial in his own little way. But when you pay attention, he is this, like, super cute, adorable, and, like, affectionate cat in his own way. He He's very engaged with the world around him. And he's taken, recently, to sleeping on a little sheepskin rug next to my side of the bed. And he'll sit down there, and uh, the other two cats will stay on the bed. And he'll just mew. He'll mew softly to himself, these tiny little mews, and, until one of the other cats like, acknowledges his existence. And then he'll just sleep there all night. And I've almost stepped on him more than once, going to pee. <laughs> and, <laughs> and then he just hightails it out of the room. But he's, you know, he's just his own little person. And some, like, just like in that little web comic, somebody loved that little cat. Somebody loved Daphne. And now somebody loves Django. So... If you're thinking about adopting a cat, maybe choose black. Yeah, I'm all for that. Speaking of cats, this is something that I have been wondering about lately. Um, catnip, right? Right. It gets cats high. <laughs> it does, I, I've never truly known or understood what it does to cats because some cats like it and some cats don't. Kenway goes crazy. He gets like a super surge of energy. Mister goes crazy too, but he is a mean high on catnip. Oh, he is really? Going to fuck your ass up when he is high. Oh shit! Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh wow! He is insane. But also, I'm wondering, can we smoke, can we smoke it? Ooh. Well. In preparation, not for today, <laughs> but future episodes, the answer is actually yes. Ooh. You can. Oh. It, catnip is an actual, like, human medicinal herb with a variety of uses um, and a variety of ways that you can interact with it, like most herbs, uh, you know, teas and salves and that sort of thing. But one of the things that you can do with catnip is absolutely, it is safe to, well, I guess absolutely is a strong word. It is by my internet research, <laughs> as I push my nerdy glasses up, uh, it is safe to smoke. Uh, you know, it is, so we actually have some drying. Uh, here in our living room studio and it's from my garden planted from seed this year and when that is ready we will indeed, indeed, indeed smoke, some, smoke catnip. some catnip i'm really really anxious to see if it makes me want to run around like a lunatic lick my ass <laughs> and <laughs> bite and scratch somebody <laughs> i won't be satisfied now until you're rolling on your back on the floor with all four feet like in the air <laughs> awesome well like I said, we've got a great show for you today. Uh, we'll we're going to talk a little bit about our our moms and our sisters and our great great grandfathers and a whole bunch of stuff. Uh, find out where our magical inclinations come from. Awesome. See you soon, witches. 
I think what lured me originally to witchcraft was the movie Snow White. I remember exactly when it happened. It was 1987. I was five years old. My aunt had taken me to the theater. They were re-showing Snow White in the theater. And after the movie, all I could think about, and for the rest of my life, until now, was how much I wanted to be that witch in Snow White. (laughs) You didn't want to be the princess. No, fuck the princess. (laughs) The witch could do such cool things. You know, not the nicest things ever, but... She was so scary. She could do shit, man. (laughs) And it was super cool. And I never, like, wanted to do witchy stuff to hurt people. But the idea of being able to do magic was... it, It stayed with me. It stayed with me forever and ever and ever. And when I was a teenager, I started... Uh, like I went to bookstores a lot. I read a lot and I started seeing the new age section and there were all kinds of books about witchcraft. And in the nineties, like Wicca was a big thing, especially after um, the craft came out. So I I started reading a lot about Wicca. My mom had always kind of told me stories about like premonitions she would have sort of in the late nineties. I was, I was a teenager. I was probably 16, 17. She stole, she told me a story about, um, out-of-body experiences cool so i started reading about astral projection and it's it's really cool and it's like to be able to do it at will is very very difficult i've never been able to do it at will i have done it a couple of times but i haven't gone far um and both times that it happened to me i had eaten mushrooms fair do you think that the experience happened because i guess i'm going to back up a little bit is uh, i don't know a lot about astral projection is uh does that is that experience hallucinating or is it different no it's different it's like when your consciousness comes out of your body basically and in a lot of stories about people experiencing this they'll they've gone to a different plane and a lot of people report that they can um, walk around on this different plane and sometimes even see their own bodies lying there or whatever. It's super weird. Now the two times that it happened to me, I didn't get very far out before I snapped myself back in. Did you take mushrooms trying to achieve this? No. Okay. No, I was just tripping. I just wanted to trip. But I could feel my consciousness leaving my body. And then I could feel my consciousness outside of my body. It was super weird. weird. But my mom actually has had several experiences with it. And the first time she did it, it was was not at will. Um, It just kind of happened. And it was right after I was born. I was a month early. And I was an emergency cesarean. And... I was sleeping and she was resting and she, like I said, she felt her consciousness coming out of her body and she rose up and up and up through the roof of the house and she realized she was an eagle or a hawk. She wasn't sure which, but she... She tends to lean towards eagle on it. And, and before that happened, she felt this buzzing in her body, like kind of like a vibrating, buzzing sort of feeling before so she came out. Um, so when she's this eagle, 
she's flying and her vision was like kind of like a kaleidoscope like but not straight on like her peripheral vision was a kaleidoscope sure. except not colorful um like kind of like diamond but, but sparkling like, f- like fractal yeah yeah exactly um and she could control herself and while she was this eagle she could she knew how birds flew like she she knew how birds the mechanics of their flight she could feel the wind underneath her wings and she flew over hills and valleys and she remembers seeing a stream and this happened several times to her after I was born um so later on she in 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 my life at least and also in hers she uh she attempted it like on purpose to try and recreate it yeah to try to recreate it through like meditation and stuff but she never quite got there she never got to that that full point of relaxation that would allow her to do it like there's there can't be any mental blockers do you think that like I I guess I'm kind of curious like why an eagle like do you think she chose an eagle do you think an eagle was chosen for her you know I'm not sure I'm really not sure because an eagle it's really not the animal that, that she feels the most connected to so I'm not sure so I know you have you have at least one sister. I know you have two sisters. How many I, you have a bunch? I have four sisters. Okay. Three with the same parents. Okay. Did was this a common occurrence for like the birth of your siblings or No. No. It only happened after me. And and, it, and you're not the oldest. No, I'm so it wasn't like second. a first child. I'm the second. It has been reported that sometimes this can happen after a trauma. Oh. So. So like an emergency C-section yeah. would count as trauma. Yeah. Yeah, I'd say so. Um, and then, so because, like, because of that story that, like, sort of introduced you to that concept in, like, in, in like, trying to try it yourself. And, and this is, I I guess maybe a weird question, but have you guys tried to do it together? No, and I'm not sure that you would be able to because it does require like a certain level of, I don't want to say relaxation and I don't want to say concentration because it's not really either of those. It's more like letting yourself go, I think, and kind of clearing your mind of any um, obstructive thoughts or or barriers that could keep you from moving out. I don't know. It's it's weird. It's weird. Um, it wasn't until after she told me that story that it happened to me on the mushrooms, which is how I knew what it was. I'm so, yeah, I'm so fascinated by, like, by the fact that it, ha- like, you were told about it and then you did a hallucinogen and then it happened to, like... I, the skeptic in me is like, oh, well, you were high and you hallucinated. But no. But, like, but it's different. <laughs> so. Yeah, it is. So I have to wonder if because, if because of me she was prone to it, if that somehow got passed to me where, Ooh. you know, maybe, maybe eventually I'll be able to do it on my own without aid. Right. But because I did have that aid, it made it easy for me to get right. there. Yeah. That, that makes sense to me that especially with the idea of like not meditating but freeing your mind of conscious thought right is certainly how i would describe mushrooms yeah super super weird 
super yeah. weird and it freaked me out both times what the like and then so and then the snapping back in piece is it like waking up or because i have like i'm fascinated because i have no experience with this at all so the first time i couldn't get back in oh shit it, that would it, freak me out it so bad. felt like a real it was probably like five minutes it felt like hours where i was just hovering outside of myself um the second time I felt it happening and I, I just, I was like, no. And oh, I snapped yeah. back in. Because that first time was so uncomfortable. Yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. wild. Was, that makes was... me wonder like, like if you purposefully tried to do it again, if you would have like, if it would be easier for you than some other people or if it would like, uh, if you'd have more control over it because... Well, I hope that now that I know a little bit more about it and now that I know how I feel when it starts right. to happen, that I wouldn't be so freaked out again and that I would let it happen the next time. Right. Um, consciously trying to do it or not. Um, the problem is, is when you're on mushrooms or the two times I was up on mushrooms and it happened, I was with other people. So to like you know, go out of yourself when you're around a group <laughs> sure. of people. It's, it's a little weird. Um, what about, what about you? Are there any, are there any like sort of conscious things or like premonition-y things that have happened to you in your family? What, or, or even what, why don't we start with what led you to green witchcraft sure. to begin with yeah um and, and i want to before i do want to talk about that but i want to say that like i i don't think in all of our chatting about spooky stuff that i actually knew that that was the thing that made you interested in witchcraft and spooky stuff and, and that sort of thing in general like I, I find that really fascinating well not the astral projection because i was i was doing witchy stuff before sure. that but the snow white yeah that yeah. was what it was yeah, yeah. Um, so I am also a child of the eighties, but, uh, <laughs> I don't think I was truly interested in witchcraft, uh, until very recently. I've always been interested in folklore and fairy tales and same idea. Like I grew up with, um, you know, gr the Grimm brothers tales and that sort of thing. And I was mm -hmm. really interested in all of that. So, uh, that was really important, but I grew up, um, very religious. I grew up, um, Christian and, and Baptist. So there were, I think that there's some similarities. I think I'm so somebody out there screaming at me right now, I'm sure. <laughs> but to me, uh, and I will say spirituality and religion and faith are all very personal and, and you know, they are what you make them um, to each and everyone. But for me, I, I look back now and I see similarities to general openness of concepts. So uh, for me, believing in life after death was something that everyone in my family, as far as I knew uh, at the time, believed in that concept. Now, we didn't talk about like ghosts or anything like that, but um, I think I was sort of predisposed to a, a love of nature and a respect for nature and using all parts of plants and animals. I definitely get that from both my parents. And 
Um, and then on top of that, sort of an openness to the concept of spirituality and believing in things that you can't see and believing in faith in general. And in sort of preparation for this show, because I'd also heard different things from my mom and um, I have I have witnessed different like religious ceremonies, I suppose you'd call them, that um, made me sort of conscious of the idea of like the power of of person's energy. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the contagiousness of that and that sort of thing. But uh, my mom certainly had a lot of a lot of things to share. <laughs> and it was really interesting because it's only been recently where I've uh, really felt comfortable saying I'm a green witch and or or saying, you know, that this is something that I do or follow in general without a an additional connotation of. I know it's silly, but, or this isn't something I tell people, but, uh, and now I feel a lot more inclined. I haven't quite found the right word, but fortune teller or Oracle or an intuitive guide or something, something like that. I kind of like fortune teller because it has this, all this old history and sort of fantasy around it. But, um, anyway, to, to sort of circle back to my mom, um, she, she shared with me a bunch of stuff yesterday, and the one that really stuck with me that I hadn't heard before was um, that she was, or her parents believed, that she was a forerunner. And I'd never heard the term forerunner. Yeah, I haven't heard that term either. What's a forerunner? So a forerunner is uh, when a spirit of a person who is not yet dead but going to die visits the living to let them know that this is going to happen. That's super weird. So like the spirit of the person who is not yet dead, but about to die. Right. Oh, that's so, I have to wrap my head around this. That's so crazy. So So like somehow, um, reaches out or, or yes, reach The spirit of the person who is about to die reaches out to the living, someone close to them or someone close to the person that they're close to. Mm -hmm. And and so, uh, this was something that my mom's grandfather, um, his name was Colin, uh, really, truly like wholeheartedly believed in really. And, um, he was the one that when my mom had this weird experience, explained to her what a forerunner was at the age of 12. Wow. Yeah. So uh, when she was 12, uh, she she was home by herself or no, sorry, she had gone to bed and she heard a knock on her door. And so she got up and checked the door and there was no one there. So she went back to bed. This happened three times. There was a no- like a very clear knock on the door and nobody was there. And then she mentioned it the next morning at breakfast and her grandfather uh, said that that's a forerunner. She had experienced a forerunner and it means that someone is going to die. Wow. And she need like, obviously as a 12 year old freaked out and uh, basically the, the theory or thought goes, the belief goes that a forerunner needs a receptive person. So um, they need a, they, they need someone who is in tune with people's energies to communicate with and you don't have to know the person so it doesn't have to be somebody that you know intimately they but they the spirit the the forerunner searches for somebody who is receptive and in tune to that and close to the person that they know 
And, uh, and yeah. And so less than 24 hours later, somebody in her mother's social lodge passed away. That's amazing. Now, was there ever an instance where she knew exactly who it was going to be? No. So a forerunner to like, to my uh, understanding, a forerunner doesn't need to make themselves entirely acknowledged in that way. So I don't, I think you could be, and I've actually, there's a book I'm going to get that's all about specifically Nova Scotian forerunners. Oh, wow. Um, and because apparently this is a very, very common thing in Nova Scotia. Oh, uh, it's a very common piece of folklore. Uh, but what was interesting to me was that like, that was super freaky and spooky, but the, the more spooky thing was that with inside of a month, uh, she, there was a second incident where she specifically remembers sitting at a telephone table in the old days where they had like a rotary dial and she was waiting for her best friend to call and a bird hit the window. Oh. And so my mom being an animal lover went outside to like check on the bird and there was no bird there. So she goes back in to wait for the phone call. This again happens three times that a bird hits the window. She goes outside and there's no bird. And is so, this all within like the same day? No, this, the second one was within a month. So less than a month oh, later, okay. she had the second thing happen. And, uh, and then my, my grandmother, Nanny, uh, she said, like, this, you've experienced another forerunning. And that the, the knocks always incur in threes. And a half an hour later, somebody called to tell my grandmother that another lodge lady, one of her closest friends, who was not ill, they did not expect to die, just died of a heart attack within the time period in which my mom got the knocks. Wow. That's incredible. Yeah. Uh, so I, there was, I, I had never heard those stories before, but it made me think a little bit about, you know, openness and receptiveness of spirit and things that I do know about my mom that like, that I had grown up with, with like how people just tell her stuff all the time mm -hmm. and that sort of thing. And, uh, and I feel like when I put all of that together, I don't have a lot of personal premonitions. I've never experienced a forerunning, but I do feel like I've been visited by shirt guy and dress girl. Yeah. And I do feel like when I do a reading for someone, I am receptive to their energy. And it just, that made me really, uh, really sort of reconsider what sort of influences I may have had growing up that were very subconscious. Absolutely. And I think, I think that to, to be any sort of Oracle, um, to to choose to go down that path, whether you know it or not, you you do have that kind of you know receptive thing going on. Yeah, it's I think what maybe even without knowing it, you know. Yeah, I think that was the thing is like I just I started doing this sort of as a, a lark um, for role playing games and as a theatrical thing, and then it became very real very fast and. And a little scary. And that was something that my mom shared with me as well, was that, like, she was scared by this. Um, she had other things that had happened, but she, like, she wasn't comfortable with it. And she wasn't comfortable having other people's, you know, sort of energy or stories or being, like, reached out to unwillingly. And and it is uncomfortable. It, like, it, <laughs> it can be really uncomfortable to suddenly be stuck with somebody else's energy and have to deal right. with that. Especially like in a fortune telling instance where, you know, maybe somebody hasn't told you something specific, but you're feeling it right. coming off of them. Yeah. And you know what it is, but it's it's something that 
you know, you, you're not sure if it's cool to say it because maybe you don't want to embarrass them or call them out on something or what, but yeah. Yeah. I've certainly sat down and just been like hit with an overwhelming like wall of sadness kind of thing yeah. and, and had no idea where that energy was coming from. And then, you know, did the reading and talk through it with the person kind of thing. But yeah, just that idea of being like open and receptive to other people's spiritual energy. I feel like I, now I feel like I definitely get that from my mom. I would say so. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, we've just talked for like, a lot. You want to take a little break? <laughs> yeah, sure. Uh, I'd like to process this a little bit. Okay. Um, what do you guys think? Have you, uh, you know, have you experienced something? Do you have a, a matronly familial gift? Uh, drop us a line at our Gmail. It's 5C2PPod at gmail.com. Or you can DM us on our Instagram. Also, 5C2PPod. Can't wait to hear your stories, witches. I find it interesting that in both of the stories that we just told, animals and birds specifically have played a role. Oh, that's true. Um, I, I, I couldn't say with any authority that animals often play roles in stuff like this and in prophecy or anything else, you know, somewhat related but I can say that animals um, often play a role in my, my mother's prophecies or, um, or answers to her questions or whatnot. Um, they often appear to her in visions. So she, whenever she's posed with like a life-altering dilemma, um, a life-altering choice that she needs to make, she will ask um she likes to ask the angels oh um she started off as as kind of exploring religion kind of deciding which religions she she liked what she wanted to be a part of her family was never religious um and she afforded her daughters the the same opportunity she would allow us to go to church with our friends who practice different religions um and whatnot so uh we know she never baptized us she always wanted us to um decide for ourselves what we wanted to believe in, which I think was really, really cool. Yeah, I think that's super cool. But she she likes to ask the angels to give her signs for certain things, for questions that she has that are that she feels are so important that she needs to she needs answers from beyond. Um is she asking angels in like a Christian sense with like angels in heaven? And I ask because this is actually something that's come up in my reading on green witchcraft in that like angels, sprites, fairies, they're all this sort of term for um, good intended uh, metaphysical creatures, I guess. That's a really great question. And it's, it's that specifically is not something that I've asked her, but now that you bring it up, I will. Um, I think for her, she learned about angels while 
um, delving into Catholicism and she, okay. she's now Catholic. So that, um, that's where I think that comes from. But these days and for a very long time now, she's definitely been more spiritual than religious. So, so I think that it definitely could be more of like, you know, a, 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 a good intended being sort of thing. Right. Like a, an all, not necessarily an all knowing, but like a, a knowledgeable higher power, like a, an archangel kind of exactly. thing. Exactly. Yeah, cool. And I think for her more of a protector. Right. In one experience she had, um, she was, we were living in the country in California. We lived on a levee road across the street from a river, like uh, across the street from a river. Um, surrounded by farmland everywhere. That sounds pretty. Um, so she had, and for a while, she had been thinking about uh, changing our lives in a way that could potentially affect us girls quite a bit. So she asked for a sign, and she's driving down this levee road at night by herself, and all of a sudden, right in front of her is a white deer pure white deer oh man that's that's some harry potter shit right <laughs> that like a, that is a totem spirit guide animal that is awesome totally and uh and she took that to mean that she the decision that she wanted to make was going to be the right decision now fast forward to after that decision was made we had moved away from this place she had left my father um, and we moved back to the Redwoods where we had li been living before. Uh, this was a town called Crescent City. It's on the coast in the middle of the Redwoods. Um, she, she was having a hard time again. So she was on the beach meditating. And all of a sudden on the beach, another deer appeared. This one was, a, it was a brown deer. But on the beach, this yeah. deer just appeared and it, it stood there staring at her. Super cool. Yeah. Did she take that one also to be a peaceful or good omen, even though it wasn't white? I think so. Just because it was um, like a deer appeared when she was in need kind of thing? Yeah, I think so. I think that, um, I mean, and this, this situation was a little bit different where she wasn't like feeling great about um, the situation that we were in and uh and wasn't sure if she was being a good mother so i think that i think that she did take that as a good sign like she was doing the right thing right. everything was going to be okay because yes. because something came to her like when like when she needed it and when she was asking for help yep something answered yeah absolutely that's so cool it's it's super weird she uh, and and like i don't know how often now she asks for signs of stuff i do remember another story and this one doesn't have to do with an animal but it does have something to do with her asking for a sign of something and that sign being shown i don't recall what the question was that she was asking but she had asked for a sign and if it were, if she were making the right choice for her to be presented with a red rose. That's a, so specific. Right? A single red rose. So she was going to pick up my older sister. My older sister was a teenager at this time. She was going to pick her up from her boyfriend's house. And she had asked for that sign. And she went to go pick up my sister. And my sister came running out of her boyfriend's house. And she comes up to the window of the car and she was like, look, mom, look, look what he gave me. And she showed her a single red oh, rose. Oh, I got goosebumps. <laughs> that my sister's cool. boyfriend had given her. That's 
super weird and cool. <laughs> Your mom sounds awesome. <laughs> She's a pretty cool lady. She's the best drinker I know. Too. <laughs> and I've just realized we are like, we've been talking about our moms for like a half an hour now. I don't know your mom's name. So my mom's given name is Gwen. She goes by Charlie. Okay. Is with, it a with a Y? Is that a chosen name or a middle name or a it's nickname? It's a chosen name. That's awesome. Yeah. Good for her. Yeah. Sweet. Uh, for anyone curious, my mom's name is Hazel. I love that name yeah. so much. She hated it growing up. <laughs> she's named uh, she's named after her grandmother. Um, and she always felt like it was an old lady's name. And she's now that she is in her uh, late 60s or mid 60s, um, she's she feels like she's slowly growing into the name. But she's not there <laughs> yet because she's still not an old lady. We'll make that very clear. I love the old timey women's name so much. I really do. If I ever had a child and it were a daughter, she would get an old timey lady's name like Olive or something Ooh. like that, you know? Yeah, I I don't disagree with that. There's there's a lot of beautiful unused, unloved names. Yeah, I I just love them. Ethel, maybe. Fuck it. Why not? <laughs> <laughs> I'm really interested in hearing more stories about your mom, dude. That first one was super cool. Yeah, I I I guess well, I had a, a sort of a story in mind, and then while you were asked like sort of chatting about signs, uh, I found it really interesting because the next thing that I wanted to share, I suppose, with my mom is like the opposite of that. Ooh. Sort of the follow up of like having these premonitions and, and I'll share one more story and then sort of her fallout from this. And so uh, when my mom was a teenager, she has a lot of siblings and one of her older brothers, Lawrence, is a scallop fisherman. So big scallop draggers, they went out for usually a month at a time. And she had growing up, uh, two different premonitions about my uncle Lawrence and scallop fishing. The first was that uh, now Lawrence was hard of hearing, uh, very like near deaf, hard of hearing. And uh, the first premonition was that she had a dream that he was scallop fishing and the rake, the item that they used to like drag in the scallops snapped or the line to it snapped and came swinging down. And unless Lawrence hit the deck flat, he would be decapitated. And in her dream, she saw this happen and she saw his crew members yelling at him and he was deaf. And so he was like, what? Like, and and didn't hit the deck in time. And so she shared that with him and really freaked out. And uh, then when he got back from the fishing trip, he shared that that exact thing happened while he was fishing at sea, that a bunch of the lines got tangled that some uh, equipment malfunctioned and when he saw he couldn't hear them but when he saw somebody waving their arms at him he remembered what my mom had shared hit the deck flat and the thing came swooping down where he was standing and he would have easily been killed that's crazy yeah and so he was really thankful he saw that as a blessing and a good thing and was really thankful because uh, you know, he saw it as like my mom saved his life. And I think my mom saw it like that too, but she was also like increasingly freaked out. Um, I would have been freaked out too. Yeah. It's a really good thing because I could see somebody having that dream and thinking, oh, it was just a, a horrible nightmare. Right. What if she hadn't have said something? Yeah. But it sounds like she 
at that point trusted her premonitions enough to know that this is something yeah. that could possibly happen. Yeah. So at that point, she had had multiple forerunners. She had had multiple dreams. This is just the one that she has shared a couple of times with me that she was comfortable with me talking about. Um, and then she had another one that was very similar to do with Lawrence in that um, sculpt fishermen go out for usually three, four weeks at a time. And three days later, uh, three days after my Uncle Lawrence went fishing, uh, my mom told my grandmother that Lawrence would be home that day and described exactly how it would happen. And of course my grandmother said like, Oh, that's crazy. You're like, that's, you know, that's silly. Lawrence won't be home for three, four more weeks. And lo and behold, that afternoon, Lawrence came walking up the driveway with his like duffel over his shoulder, exactly the way my mom described. And like, she ran inside and was like, guess what? I was right. Kind of thing. Oh, wow. And yeah. And uh, there's something, there's something, you know, again, sort of malfunctioned on the boat. So they turned around early, um, only three days in, but wow. so yeah, she like, she's had a lot of these types of experiences, but she also had an experience where she had a dream that she was, she was in a church and she had an item, but she couldn't see what the item was, but the item like belonged to somebody or something and it wasn't hers and she felt, but she felt connected to it kind of thing. And in, uh, and in this dream, I don't remember, it was somebody like a, a minister or somebody in the church, I think, uh, told her that if she kept having forerunners and premonitions, she wouldn't go to heaven. What? And I don't, I personally, and this is my total interpretation of this, I think that was her own guilt and fear around the situation and trying to put these two things together that like you couldn't have one without like and the other. Right. And um, so she, after like all of this in her mid teens prayed that the premonitions and things would go away. And she, she prayed that like she prayed to God and said, you know, I, if this is a gift from you, I don't want it. Take it back. Like, and, and she prayed night after night after night and it stopped. Oh, wow. And, and so I I find it sort of interesting in that, like, your mom had this experience and was, like, very, you know, sort of open to it and trusting of it and was able to also balance that with um, Catholicism mm -hmm. and find her own spirituality. And my mom uh, grew up with, you know, superstitious family and religious family, but her mom always said, like, you know, yeah, this is a forerunner and this is, you know, like, you can have both kind right, of right. thing. And it wasn't, it wasn't weird. It wasn't evil. It wasn't frowned upon. It was, you know, it was a very matter of fact thing that some people are gifted and some people are open and receivers and receptive. And my mom didn't want it. Shut it down. And here I am, uh, you know, the, in my mid to late thirties and I want to be more open to it. Right. I've, I've never like, I'm just now sort of putting it all together and wanting to be even more open to it. And I just, I liked that sort of back and forth. Like you're in the process of unlocking it where right. she didn't have to. And then she blocked it. That's right. so heartbreaking I, to me. It, so I found it really heartbreaking too in a like in the matter of like, I really think my mom could have been or is attuned to be some sort of like oracle sure. like medium like she yeah, she really has a gift like and 
That's, but you know, a gift is only a gift if it's pleasant to receive. Right. Otherwise it's a curse. And, and, and she's locked it away for so long now that what would she have to do to unlock it again if she wanted to? So that's the thing that like we talked a lot about yesterday and I think she just manifested it in a different way. Okay. So she, she didn't want to be the receiver of bad news. She didn't want to have premonitions, but her innate gift and her innate openness to other people's energy. Um, my dad jokes that she walks around life with an invisible sign around her neck that says, hi, I'm Hazel. Tell me everything about yourself. <laughs> uh, people tell her stuff like complete 100% strangers tell her intimate personal details share traumas with her she's had strangers that she's met through her workplace where travelers from all over the world visit um, kind of thing and she's had people that she doesn't know uh, just suddenly break down in tears and share how they were abused as children she's had people share their financial woes their love woes their their fears for their children like she has, and she remembers them all. That's the thing that like really gets me is she, she even specifically remembered the conversation she had with a cashier at a grocery store when my parents dropped me off for cooking school when I was 18 <laughs> and, and how this lady shared all about her, like four kids and all of the things that they were doing. People just tell my mom things. And I think that she just has this innate gift of energy like her energy pulls other people's energy in and she's just naturally receptive to that so people don't consciously see it but their spirit knows that this is a person who is receptive to other people's energy and they just tell her stuff I bet she'd be a really great old-timey bartender oh man (laughs) (laughs) she'd she'd be raking in the dough that would be awesome i mean she's also a great gardener so maybe she'd be like a really awesome hedge witch (laughs) (laughs) but it's it's certainly it's like really fun to compare and contrast you know where we are in our practices and you know where where these gifts may or may not have come from you know i feel like you know, my mom was and is receptive to other people's energies in a different way than I am, but it's still sort of an openness to that possibility. And I don't know, do you look for signs in things? Um, <clears throat> I wouldn't say that I outwardly ask for signs from things, but I would say that I do take certain things as signs. Cool. Awesome. Yeah. Well, I feel, I don't know, I feel like kind of light after this episode. I, yeah. I've i enjoyed sharing with uh, all of you listeners a little bit about ourselves, some personal things. I know that I certainly have more uh, personal family little tidbits to share in the future. Yeah, I do too. I think this is a theme that we should roll with from time to time. Yeah. You know, have, have a little break of an episode and talk about, you know, our... our weird families <laughs> i i would i would definitely enjoy that i hope all of you listeners do as well and again if you have a, an awesome family story some matriarchal or patriarchal uh witchcraft in your family that you want to share we'd love to hear from you send us a dm on our instagram at 5c2p pod and if you're interested in learning how, or rather, whether or not smoking catnip as a human is going to make you want to aggressively lick your ass, <laughs> tune in next time. Till then.
No Nazis, no pervs. Never.